Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. This is the Thrive Bites podcast, and welcome to season five. Here we talk about three things, plant-powered living, enhancing emotional resilience, and creating a thriving mindset. And I interview the most passionate guests here, ranging from physicians to coaches to dietitians to entrepreneurs. And my hope is to give you really informative and high-valued conversations. So please Follow us here on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and wherever you hear your podcasts. Come on in, and I can't wait to see you inside. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and today I am joined by Ben Ahrens, and he is a wonderful, wonderful uh, guest speaker. Um, not only is he uh, surviving and thriving uh, through his chronic illness of battling chronic Lyme, uh, but he is um, a neuroplasticity coach, and he is the co-founder um, and CEO of ReOrigin, um, which is a uh, neuroplasticity um, program, um, and it is used to rewire, retarget, and prevent uh, a lot of great, uh, you know, um, ailments um, and the chronic stressors that, you know, we are facing um, as a nation, uh, even globally um, as well. And really just another tool and resource to be able to um, weather through the chronic stressors that we face. So I invite you to, you know, come into the episode um, and uh, join us uh, for this conversation. And it's a wonderful session. So so stay tuned. You don't want to miss it. Okay, guys. Well, welcome to another episode of Thrive Bites Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Colin Zhu, and thank you so much for being here with us. You could have been anywhere in the world, and you decided to share your precious moments with us today. And I'm really, really grateful about that. So um, our next guest for today, um, this is a very, very uh, wonderful session, very eye-opening. Um, I'm super, super stoked about it. Our next uh, guest, his name is Ben Ahrens. Um, He is, um, in a few words, uh, a chronic illness recovery expert. Um, he's a TEDx speaker. He's a neuroplasticity coach. And he is the co-founder of ReOrigin. Um, there, he has a very, very great story. Um, we're going to dive deep. I don't want to give out too much. But in the field of neuroplasticity, um, there's just so much that we need to unravel and untangle um, in terms of our brain. Uh, we talk a lot about emotional mental health on this podcast, but I think when we dive deeper into neuroplasticity, I think there's a lot of tools and insights we can use to kind of uh, level up our lives. And um, I can't wait to join the discussion with Mr. Ben. Say hi. <laughs> yeah. Hey, thanks so much for having me on, Dr. Sue. It's a, it's a real pleasure to be here. And I'm such a, a fan of everything that you're, you're um, you know, speaking about and the, the plant-based lifestyle as well is something I've, I've certainly dabbled in for, for years, actually, when I was going through my mm. own recovery journey and saw a lot of benefits from it. So um, yeah, just happy to be here and having this conversation with you. Awesome. Awesome. I'm really stoked to be here. Um, this is a really a great topic, um, you know, not as not just in terms of food as medicine and plant powered living that we talk about on this podcast, but, you know, there's more and more um, emerging evidence in terms of the microbiome, gut health and re relation to brain health. And so I'm really stoked about this particular session and the work and the company um, that you've done with your team. Um, you know, I had a chance to, uh, you know, look at, you know, your TEDx talk and, you know, your, your story was very powerful. 
powerful. And uh, to be able to, you know, kind of uh, be here with us and share your insights and wisdom with our audience, I'm really, really grateful. So thank you so much for spending the time out. It's my pleasure. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> Um, so let's take us um, back um, to the original point. You know, um, I love asking my guests their origin story, how they get from point A to point B. Um, let's start off about, you know, how did you arrive to battling a certain chronic illness? And uh, I know that you went through a lot of hurdles, a lot of trauma. Can you share with the audience for those who are not familiar with you, please? Yeah, sure. So I was actually always fascinated with health and wellness and fitness and everything as a personal trainer and um, owner of a, an operator of a surf camp here on Long Island, New York. And um, then in my mid 20s, I got severely ill with what turned out to be neurological Lyme disease or Lyme disease, which if left untreated for a long period of time can sort of get it work its way into the nervous system. And I was just experiencing all of these different symptoms literally went from being this healthy active, you know, fitness person to someone that um, was having neurological problems, had the brain scans that looked like someone with Alzheimer's. Um, in the TED talk you mentioned, uh, I spoke about an experience I had where I would wake up and look at these spots on the floor and realize mm. that they were my shoes, but had no idea really like what they were for. And just these bizarre cognitive symptoms coupled with serious physical symptoms as well, um, including things like uh, joint pains, muscle aches, juvenile rheumatoid arthritis was a big one. Um, and it certainly felt that way. I became, you know, stiff at age 25, feeling sort of like an mm. old man. Um, and it just took several years of untangling and pursuing a lot of different things, some of which worked, some of which didn't, um, but ultimately brought me to this journey, which only served to sort of deepen and strengthen my, my passion for the human body and the human being uh, as, as a really interesting uh, being that we are so capable of change, really dramatic shifts. And it really led me into this notion of changing the brain. Since for me, for that particular ailment, um, it seemed to be the origin of a lot of my, my issues, a lot of my symptoms. Um, conventional doctors had a really hard time tracing the pathology of these strange symptoms that I was feeling, chronic pain, migrating sensations, uh, you know, back to any root cause. And so as I started to dig into this and learn a little bit more by listening to podcasts and things like that, um, I started to realize that the issues that I was experiencing had to come from the brain itself in some way, which regulates all of these other systems and, and functions in the body. And, you know, just to make a clear example, how did I kind of make that connection or that leap? Uh, a good example would be like chronic pain. If, if you have a pain sensation in your finger, feels like your finger is being pinched in a vice, and you mm -hmm. look down and you find that your finger is in fact being pinched in a vice, then we would say, okay, that, that stems from something that, that's called peripheral pathology, meaning there's there's a real physical you know, reason. There's damage to the area or there's something going on that the neurons are taking information from that part of the body and alerting the brain and, and your system saying, hey, we gotta tend to this area. Now imagine you have the same exact sensation and you look down and there's no such vice or anything going on. It's just a sensation. Mm. Now imagine that the sensation jumps from your right hand to your left hand and then to your toe and, you know, starts to move around the body and then morph into uh, different sorts of sensations like heat, things like that. That's a lot of what I and a lot of uh, Lyme and fibromyalgia patients experience is these sort of really hard to explain, hard to pinpoint type of, of symptoms. 
Um, and now more and more research is coming out showing that a lot of these symptoms are actually potentially stemming from an overactivity in the limbic system. Essentially, when the brain goes on high alert, it can learn to take pain signals or these uncomfortable sensations from different parts of the body to continuously alert us to a problem. But then long after the problem is gone, it can sort of amplify up this region of the brain that will then just continue to take these and these um, these signals, even though now they're a little bit misguided. So in essence, what was once an appropriate response to a bacterial infection uh, after so many months and years was no longer appropriate. My body was sort of stuck in this chronic pain, fight or flight state. Mm. And that's what I learned through the years. Okay, now let's see how we address the brain. How can we sort of turn down this stress response and allow the body to do what I ultimately learned it naturally does, which is to heal itself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's amazing. And you said that you were at 25 when you went through all this. Yeah, correct. So started wow. at 25 through about 28 was really the, you know, the, the crux of it when things were at their worst. Um, and then I sort of reached, you know, a few, few turning points. It definitely wasn't a straight line. Um, it was a process. Like I said, a lot of trial and error, a lot yeah. of also coming at it from different angles. I mentioned, you know, I, I completely changed my diet. Mm -hmm. So this is always the challenging thing when, when you're, you know, uh, when you've recovered or you've dealt with from a complex condition, everyone always wants to know, what did you do? Meaning like, what, right. what was the one thing? Was it the diet? Was it the cucumber cleanse? Was it the, um, <laughs> you know, this, this supplement, everyone wants to know what's the one thing you did that really changed everything. And, um, I always have to try and explain it from a this sort of macro level that in fact, I changed everything. Sure. I changed mm -hmm. my diet. I, you know, uh, cleaned up my environment, made sure I wasn't being exposed to molds and toxins and things like that. Um, made an effort to try and get more rest and mitigate stress yeah. and everything. So there was a lot of different things, but really what I, what I found, what started to move the needle was the, um, the active brain retraining, which is something that we can get, you know, further into as I myself got, got really deep into this field of what's now known as self-directed neuroplasticity, um, mm. which is simply to say exercises that you can do to ultimately change your own brain and how it functions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, for those, those of you don't, uh, never been, um, never, never had Lyme disease or don't know someone, um, you know, that, you know, has it, it's pretty much an illness that's, um, really, you know, carried from, uh, what we call a vector. And, um, in the Northeast, I'm, you know, from New Jersey and, mm -hmm. uh, very, very, you know, filled and laden with, uh, you know, tick-borne illnesses. Uh, Lyme is very common. Um, and depending on what region of the United States, you have different kinds of, you know, ticks and vectors and things like that. Vectors, you know, you know, uh, a medium of sorts. Um, and it's like a multi-system involvement and, uh, it could be very cruel and even conventional medicine, you know, we don't really have a good handle on it, you know, even to this day. Um, I did my training in, uh, in Connecticut and I actually, uh, followed an integrative doc. Um, he actually just focused on chronic Lyme. Um, and I know this session is not about, you know, Lyme, um, per se, but, um, you know, I just wanted to kind of add to what you're saying that it's a very complex, you know, issue. And it really goes back to what you were saying, how, um, you know, you have to look at all the pillars of lifestyle. You have to look at, you know, everything that, you know, health basically represents and 
basically culminates from, right? And then you just kind of have to trace back to, you know, what am I doing? What could I be doing better, right? Am I getting enough hydration, sleep, as you say, um, you know, eating the proper foods, um, things like that. And uh, I'm sure you've had to really dig and interview a lot of different kinds of specialists along the way. Yeah, absolutely. And Lyme is actually a great sort of example for a lot of these types of conditions that are so complex and multifaceted. Um, and, you know, maybe where there's initial, some sort of initial infection that acts as a trigger or a straw that breaks the camel's back. Yeah. But then once it becomes chronic and people find themselves in these perpetual states of dysfunction and dysautonomia and all of these secondary symptoms and illnesses tend to crop up. Like I listened to you had an episode on POTS and the autonomic mm -hmm. dysfunction that can arise there, which is very, very common for people with Lyme. Um, it's sort of like this domino effect where one thing can, can lead to the next. And now the initial trigger you know, may or may not even, even really be a factor, but still we're left mm -hmm. with all of these other systems that we have to start to clean up. And mm -hmm the sort of beauty of the human body is that it is a self-organizing system. It does have the innate intelligence, as I learned, you know, through many years of going through biological medicine and, and different routes. Um, it has the innate intelligence to organize itself in these different ways. And I remember, you know, a question a lot of people ask, my, I was probably the first to ask this myself is when I started to learn about Chinese medicine and European biological medicine, everything is, okay, so I'm getting that, you know, the body is very wise. Uh, the body heals itself, but if the body is made to heal and be healthy, then why am I still sick, right? Why right. do I stay sick? Why do people experiencing experience anything other than perfect health if that is the body's innate sort of tendency? Yeah. Um, and so there you have to really look at, well, what's, you know, of course, what's coming at us from the environment, the, the mm -hmm. diet, the nutrition, the air we breathe, everything like that, but also how are we responding to that? Because we know through just statistics that it's not only um, what's coming at us from the environment that matters, it's also how and why the body is responding, mm -hmm. right? I'm sure you see this with your, your practice. You can have two patients uh, exposed to the same exact trigger, you know, maybe Lyme or, or a cold or even COVID. Mm -hmm. Some mm -hmm. get better right away. Some take four to six weeks. Some end up with uh, long COVID symptoms yeah. and have to mm -hmm. start to address it in different ways. And similarly on the treatment side of things, you can probably put, you know, a hundred different patients on the same diet and they might have completely different results. Yeah. You know, peanut allergies would be a good example. It can't just be the peanut because if it was just the peanut, then necessarily everyone who ever ate one would have to have the same types of symptomology. And yeah. so it's, it's far more complex and in a way far more interesting than that. And I say interesting in an optimistic way because it gives <laughs> us more, uh, opportunities to intervene, right? There's a yeah. lot that we can do. And I just want to sort of leave or, 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 or take it in that hopeful note as well that yes, it's complicated. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of sort of black box things where we don't fully understand, but there's also a tremendous amount that we do have control over and that we are beginning to understand and that we can do to start to reclaim our own health. Yeah, for sure. And I and I really, really appreciate your uh, positive optimism, right? Um, because, you know, you can, you know, nowadays, you could easily just be, you know, all doom and gloom. And, you know, being in the third year of the pandemic, and seemingly, we're trying to get, you know, coming out of it, you know, this recordings in May right now, um, you know, you can only hope, right? Um, and if you don't, you know, the, the opposite can, uh, it just doesn't, you know, 
do service to anyone, right? Mm -hmm. um, but you're referring to the internal faculties of, you know, how people become more efficient, how people, you know, how the internal body can uh, heal itself, um, optimize itself, things like that. And that's a great example. You know, COVID is a great example of, you know, why people would die, you know, in a heartbeat and why people don't, you know, um, it's a very good, uh, great question to ask. Um, the next question I want to get into is really going diving deeper into, you know, the neuroplasticity and then ultimately, you know, how you decided to create, you know, um, this service, this company of yours. Did you have any, uh, you know, what was your background? You know, did you have any background in neuroscience or, you know, how did you, um, you know, come to say like, okay, it's, I think it's the, it's, it's definitely the brain. It's definitely the neuroscience of it. And then, you know, what behooved you to kind of go down this rabbit hole of, you know, just getting so many great people, um, scientific experts, you know, on your team to really create this program that you've created. Yeah. So, um, Primarily, when it comes to the neuroscience, I'm I'm self-taught. My background is in mechanical engineering and uh, and philosophy is what I studied in, in college. And uh, the mechanics really served to help me a lot when I was doing personal training and corrective exercise. I was working as a um, assistant to physical therapists. And so it works when you're looking at like the biomechanics and the structures of the human body uh, to take this mechanistic approach. Um, but then when I became sick with the Lyme and had that journey and nothing really seemed to make sense from a mechanical level, you know, like I mentioned, there would be pain and different symptoms that would migrate, but they didn't really line up in any linear way to something that was happening out there. Um, so I started to examine the difference between, as I got deeper into some research, people were talking about this uh, in terms of like hardware versus software issues. And um, I came to the realization that medicine has become, let's say mainstream medicine has become very good at, at treating hardware issues, at looking at the human body, looking through a, a microscope or listening through a stethoscope and, you know, understanding what's off and kind of helping to um, improve things on that level. But what regulates all of this hardware and these functions in our body and chemical activity is actually the software. It's the circuitry of the nervous system and the brain. And so initially when I was uh, you know, in bed and going through everything, I started to listen to uh, podcasts from UC Berkeley and MIT had just started at this point putting out their one and two uh, hundred level courses in things like neurobiology and cellular biology. And so I just started to absorb all of this information and read books like Norman Doidge, The Brain That Changes Itself. I think that's really the point at which I started to become hopeful because mm. up, in, up until that point, I had this mechanistic view where I, I kind of thought of even my own body as like, okay, it starts off, it's like this pristine thing. And then as you get older and you get injured, you get sick, you're just kind of like reducing your, <laughs> your life quality along the way. Um, and then as I started to learn about neuroplasticity and how the brain can continuously upgrade itself and until recently, you know, they thought where we start off with a fixed number of neurons that we lose over time. And then they discovered there's something called neurogenesis taking place where the brain mm -hmm. is actually can continue to grow in functional ways uh, throughout our lifetime. Um, that's really where I started to become hopeful because I realized, okay, you know, just like maybe in the past, I've used exercise to change my body or I've used, uh, you know, rehab exercises to help people overcome injuries. Maybe I could start to see this as, as an injury and as a sort of, you know, system that can start to adapt and change and heal over time. And as I started to practice some relatively simple exercises of 
calming my nervous system through breathing, through pattern interruption, um, and through creating new associations, I started to feel like I was getting more energy back. Like mm. maybe some of that energy in the system that had been going toward fighting off all of these different things was now available for actually replenishing and recharging my body. And so step by step, I realized this stuff was starting to work um, and started to work with different doctors and ask them, you know, what they knew about how this works, why it works. And that led me into neurocognitive rehab. Um, I ended up working with a clinic in Manhattan called uh, Innovative Medicine for about eight years mm. uh, that was doing different training seminars. And that's really what gave me the opportunity to meet a lot of different doctors from all different walks of life, different disciplines, um, and ultimately led to the formation of what you mentioned, the what we call the Brain Trust, which is this uh, team of doctors that consists of now neuroscientists and clinical psychologists who have been doing this stuff for, for decades um, to put together a very comprehensive but also accessible and easy to use program that people can do to start to sort of turn down, tune down the nervous system, retrain mm -hmm. their brains, and set their body uh, in a state that's more optimized for self-healing. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, if I was an audience member and I think of the word neuroplasticity, right? Um, and I, I would love to hear, you know, your definition um, of it. And, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of things come to mind as, you know, things like dementia and Alzheimer's and doing crossword puzzles and all these, you know, apps that we have on our phone to kind of train the brain, quote unquote. Um, is that, you know, the same thing? Or do you feel like it's much more than, you know, um, how it's, you know, currently uh, applied to, uh, to, to today? Yeah, so so it's a great question. What you're talking about is is what we call general neuro neuroplasticity, or the the basic ability that the brain has to heal, to change, uh, and to respond to new inputs. And um, that's a big part of it. That sort of sets the foundation or makes it possible for us to then do what we do at Reorigin, which we refer to as more targeted neuroplasticity. Mm. And this is really about um, creating specific. Uh, new associations to kind of simplify it. Basically, you know, we have the, we know that the nervous system has these two different states, the sympathetic and parasympathetic. And when it comes to neuroplasticity in the brain learning, essentially what can happen is the brain learns to stay stuck in the sympathetic route. Mm -hmm. Because as we mentioned, when you have an acute illness or injury, um, we want that fight or flight response. That's, that is like the healing response. So we want that to happen. But now if that goes on for an extended period of time, or it's coupled with high loads of stress or other things that are going on in life, then the brain can essentially and wrongfully learn that that's how it should you know, behave. It can create these sort of grooves or, or neural pathways that stay in chronic elevation of the stress response. Mm. And so when that has happened, what we can do is start to go through a process known as desensitization or deconditioning. The same way the brain becomes conditioned up in the first place, we can mm -hmm. sort of use our, our physiology, our body, and things like pattern interruption to mm -hmm. create uh, a new response and ultimately allow the body to settle into the parasympathetic state where it's just optimized for healing. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is, and what really brings in the targeted neuroplasticity is that everyone has their own unique triggers, right? What's triggering for me or what sends me into fight or flight might be much different or even the opposite for you. You know, you can have two people who uh, both are listening to loud music for one of them. They feel really 
uh, energized and uplifted and in this great healthy state, the other person hearing the exact same music can have an extremely different response. They could feel mm. agitated, upset, frustrated, or, or overwhelmed by it. Um, and so that's where we have to first and foremost become aware of how the things that we are experiencing in the environment are affecting us. Number two, we have to kind of map out, okay, you know, is this a healthy response? That's to say, you know, is it supporting my healing process or not? And then three, we can say, okay, what would support my healing process? What response would I like to have? And ideally, it's one that involves more cognitive flexibility or adaptability, the ability to, you know, stay or return to to a certain level of, of ease, um, despite a chaotic Monday or anything yeah. else that might be happening. Um, or a pandemic. Then, <laughs> pandemic. Yep. And then we can start to, to train that. And um, this, you know, goes on to include behavioral type of conditioning. So like cognitive mm -hmm. behavioral therapy. Um, but it also goes into a much more raw form of conditioning um, that we can do when it comes to desensitizing or deconditioning ourselves to certain um, pathogens or even, even events that the brain has created. Uh, I'll give you one great example. In the 1970s or so, there was a study, there's a paper now on, on PubMed, anyone can read, it's called Conditioned Immunosuppression. And a study was done whereby they were injecting rats with uh, certain sugar water, dextrose solution combined with a virus. And just as you'd expect, they found that these rats had an immune response. So over and over again, they did this and the rats mounted the same immune response. And then they did it without the virus. So they only injected them with the sugar water. Mm -hmm. And what they found was that the rats continued to have the same immune response as if their immune system was mounting itself, getting ready to fight off this pathogen, even though there wasn't any pathogen there. Mm. So again, this is you know, nothing to do with conscious learning or um, it is a form of what they call behavioral conditioning or behavioral learning. But most of the time when we think behavior, we think of, you know, habits and things that we're aware of. When we talk about this type of neuroplasticity, really, we're talking about the brain adapting to a certain event, to a certain triggering event. Mm. So the same kind of thing can happen. Uh, you know, a good example of what we're seeing now with um, something like uh, long COVID is one of the impacts or effects that it has on a lot of people is elevated heart rate, um, difficulty breathing. And so imagine, you know, if you have a person who's experiencing those symptoms for weeks or even months on end, um, even after the time, now let's say months later, the pathogen could be out of the system, but that person goes and runs up a flight of steps and the heart rate elevates. The mm -hmm. brain might have created a neurological association between the elevated heart rate and other symptoms of long COVID or the immune response. And mm -hmm. they might start to find that they feel fluey and symptomatic all over again because they're, this region of the brain called the insula has kind of interpreted those signals from within the body as, uh oh, this is the same thing that was happening when, when I was sick with the, you know, when I had the virus, I mm -hmm. need to create the same immune response. And that immune response is actually what causes us to feel sick and symptomatic. Mm -hmm as opposed to the virus itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so when you're talking, I'm, I'm just thinking about, uh, definitely sounds a lot more than crossword puzzles, I'll tell you that much. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so my natural question, you know, if, especially uh, when I, you know, I, I do family practice, you know, primary care. Um, I see a lot of patients in the lifestyle realm. And 
a lot the natural question would be, you know, who would this be for, you know, in terms of this, um, you know, program? Is it a program that is applicable for everyone or is it, you know, more customizable for someone with, you know, certain ailments? So I guess, you know, who would it be for and who would it not be for? Hey guys, we're going to be taking a short break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hey guys, if you are interested in having a consultation with me and actually see me one-on-one, the Chef Doc Lifestyle Medicine uh, practice has partnered with Plant-Based Telehealth and uh, we offer uh, lifestyle medicine consultations. So you'll be able to see me one-on-one and uh, I can go over your health history and seeing what we can do to fill in the gaps. Uh, We can talk about your physical health, anything from food to lifestyle to diet to setting up your kitchen to cooking preparation to grocery shopping to your mental health. Um, I think it's important that we build our emotional resilience to talking about your sleep and how to stay hydrated and what are the best uh, medicines if necessary, what are the best supplementations if necessary. And we do all this in a very concise manner and it's a conversation. I take the time out to listen. I take the time out to really understand you from the ground up and to look at all aspects um, of your physical, emotional, and mental health. And um, please, you know, uh, drop me a line, schedule an appointment if you want to see me one-on-one. And um, I am very, very looking forward to learning more about you. And again, thank you so much for visiting uh, here uh, at The Chef Doc. Welcome back to Thrive Bites. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah. So the, who, who would it be for? It's really for anyone who's experiencing uh, an illness that's, a, a, you know, dragging out beyond the normal length of time. Uh, what's known as, you know, when it becomes chronic uh, and inflammatory. So there's this whole uh, subset of conditions that's now being recognized as, uh, you know, chronic inflammatory response syndrome or neuroimmune conditions, or there's a lot of different names for it. Almost every year they come out with a different name, but yeah. essentially the notion is that the, the, the brain and body have effectively learned to stay in that chronically elevated stress mode. Um, and it just produces a lot of inflammation. So I remember when I was first, you know, researching this, this, uh, when it was happening to me with the Lyme, the term that I came across was a self-perpetuating inflammatory condition, Mm. meaning that symptoms essentially lead to, um, agitation, in the system, which leads to more symptoms, which leads to more agitation and just round and round it goes. So this can exhibit itself in things like long haul COVID, uh, chronic Lyme, as well as chronic fatigue syndrome. Um, and even of course, when someone is stuck in these types of conditions, they tend to also be accompanied with high levels of anxiety. And if it goes on for a long time, even feelings of depression or burnout, where we just feel sort of depleted because it's almost like our body has just been, you know, running nonstop trying to fight this thing off, or in essence, trying to fight Mm -hmm. against itself in a way. Um, so those are really the, the primary types of, um, you know, symptoms and conditions for, for whom this, this program would be um, you know, beneficial or, or they could get a benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say first and foremost, everyone should of course go to a doctor, make sure rule out other confounding factors. Um, then anything that has to do with 
more uh, neurodegenerative conditions is something that is a little bit outside of the scope of what we do. So, you know, you mm. mentioned dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, things like this. Um, these are a little bit different than these uh, inflammatory conditions. Um, and there's still a lot that remains to be learned about that. Mm. I know there there is neurocognitive rehab and neuroplasticity you know, training being applied uh, applied to these types of conditions. Um, it's just not what we're focused on at Reorigin at this time. Mm, okay. Would someone need uh, a referral to uh, have someone in your program? We do get a lot of uh, patients now from referrals, some of these doctors um, that have worked with us before, uh, but they don't need a referral. It's not uh, anything prescription-based. It is, uh, as I mentioned, self-directed neuroplasticity. So it's very much something that people can do themselves. And you know, I always like to say that the, the best way to think about this really is exercise. I know it can mm -hmm. sound daunting to, to retrain your brain and learn about all of these different things, but in the way it's practiced, and I think in the way that we've presented it or, or organized it, um, it's actually very accessible to people. Um, just like anyone going to you know rehab for a sprained ankle, there's a series of uh, steps. They need to just learn some basics about the mechanics of the ankle. They need to do a few exercises, and then they start to regain the function of that ankle. And unlike something like strength training, where you have to keep doing it in order to keep the strength, if you stop you know, it's use it or lose it. With this type of training, uh, what we're doing is not actually adding some new level of function that never existed for your brain mm. or body before. It's much more about restoring and returning to re sort of resume the natural functions that you always had, those innate capacities that have always been there to self-heal, to settle down, to, to feel calm and at peace, and for natural levels of inflammation to subside so the body can, you know, naturally heal itself. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about this, there's a couple of things I think about. I think about, um, you know, when you're going through the process of, um, you know, of your program, which is reorigin, um, you know, I think of breath work, I think of meditation. Um, are there any, you know, similarities or differences um, that, uh, you know, your program versus uh, someone that would go through like a meditative experience uh, would go through? Yeah. So similarities are, are that, you know, a primary aim of neuroplasticity and meditation are to calm the nervous system. So basically like downregulate the nervous system. Now there's also some important differences. Um, so meditation, I always like to say a lot of people experience this and I did as well, a long time meditator over, over a decade and, you know, did many, many, many long 10 day silent meditation retreats and found of course, you know, tremendous benefit from doing it. Um, I also found that I could get really, really good at meditating in the meditation hall and on the cushion. And that once I stepped back into Times Square to New York, where I live mm -hmm. for, for a time, I would instantly get spun up again. And sometimes it was almost like a rebound effect. It would almost be like a rubber band getting launched in the other direction. Yeah. Um, so once I started doing the, the neuroplasticity training, which is much more about desensitizing yourself with respect to certain triggers, mm. I realized that I could maintain an even keel. I had much more cognitive, emotional, and even uh, physiologic flexibility um, in real time. So now I kind of like to tell people that, you know, meditation, breath work, um, these are, these are great and they work their way into, into the program as part of the calming the nervous system section. Um, but the interest of reorigin and the neuroplasticity techniques is not just calming the nervous system. It's preventing its arousal in the first place. Mm. It's systematically desensitizing ourselves from those things that would normally pull us 
off kilter so that mm. we can go out into the world and you know live a full life. And so while I think that these other types of practices are great for helping us learn how to get back to baseline, I also know that life requires us to go far beyond baseline. We yeah. live in busy, hectic lives, and that's where there are actual training exercises that we can do to help our brains become more adaptive to those types of yeah. scenarios. Yeah. Yeah. So from that, I have a question and a comment. Um, you know, when you say, you know, basically what I'm hearing is, you know, this underlying chronic inflammatory burden that we all experience, you know, from chronic stress. And that could be from like a mental or emotional type of trauma, um, just could be from everyday life um, to, you know, you're mentioning, you know, referring to an episode that I did um, with uh, Dr. Uh, Satari. And uh, we were talking about different toxins in the environment, you know, it's, you know, it's, I feel like it's kind of gone beyond conventional medicine to what we were producing and creating in the environment from heavy metals to, you know, PCBs to, um, you know, all these different things that are, you know, in our oceans to the microplastics. And we just, everything is just, we can't keep up fast enough. Right. And that adds mm. a certain layer, you know, of stress. Um, so in a way, it kind of sounds like your program, you know, can act as a additional tool, you know, to be able to combat that, you know, in a way, even though, you know, we're not going out there and cleaning up the trash on the beach or something like that, but it's more about really just, uh, you know, calming it down and not, you know, activating it in the first place. Is that, is that, uh, yeah, exactly right. And actually this, this program is really almost made to go hand in hand with, um, the, the work that practitioners like yourself are doing, um, that are, you know, environmental medicine, biological medicine, nutritional medicine, all of these things that can help to lighten that toxic burden and that stress mm -hmm. load. You know, the human being, the human body is incredibly resilient. And in biological medicine, you know, they always put up this, um, example, an image of a, of a wheel of a barrel, right? And they show, okay, this barrel has a certain capacity. You can fill it with, um, with childhood traumas and with stress and anxiety and with pathogens and with poor diet and toxicity and yeah. all these things. But at some point it's going to exceed the capacity of that barrel. And that's where whatever spills over the top, that's where this sort of breaking of the dam occurs. We start to experience symptoms. And, um, when it comes to you know the the reorigin uh, approach, I always see that there's there's two sides of the same coin. On one hand, there's what's coming at us from the environment, and on the other hand, there's there's helping to um, pr to uh, improve our body's response to that, right? So. Uh, I'm a big advocate of the two-pronged approach, the bottom up and the top down, where from the bottom up, we absolutely want to do what we can to, you know, uh, improve our environment through all of the tools that we have available through nutrition, through meditation, through calming the nervous system, reducing stress, um, therapy, or whatever it might be for, for each individual to start to lighten that total load. But the second portion of it, and what Reorigin really focuses on is improving our ability to adapt and to, um, to handle that load in the first place, because we're never going to get completely away from it. There's always going to be some Wi-Fi or some chemicals or someone wearing perfume yeah. or something out there that we're going to come in contact with. How long has your company um, uh, uh, been going on for? 
Yeah. So I've been doing this for uh, coaching in this realm for about 10 years myself since making my own recovery and diving into it. Um, and then about two years ago, we started putting together the Reorigin program as it exists now online with a community around it. Um, we had a, a beta group go through the year before last, which did extremely well. We got some very exciting uh, and encouraging research from that. Um, mm. Through that or, or as a result of that, we further improved the program and then we just ended up relaunching it uh, this past January. Nice. So yeah, as it exists now, it's been through many renditions already, um, but we have an entire you know community that goes along with it. Um, this kind of thing is is easier and more fun to do with others. And you know you can break through that belief barrier and, and see that uh, it really works when you see others share their stories as well. Um, so yeah, we've tried to make it very uh, science-based first and foremost, but sure. also very accessible and and step-by-step step without being cumbersome to people because everyone is already very busy, very overwhelmed. And uh, we want something that fits into our everyday life as opposed to feeling like one more thing that we need to, you know, add yeah. to our treatment regimen. Right. You don't want to, you want to add to that chronic stress, right? <laughs> exactly. And it's, it can be a fine line, right? When you're healing, it's like, oh my God, I got to think about the supplements and the sleep and the stress and all that yeah, stuff. Exactly, so, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, through that rent, uh, through that research, when you were um, going through those different renditions, did that include by any chance, any like scans, like functional MRIs and things like that? Have you thought about actually objectively testing it in that way? So that is actually definitely on our radar, and that's probably going to be a next step for us. Um, we did research a lot of uh, scans of people who have recovered from different conditions using different types of uh, things, comparable uh, therapies like pain reprocessing therapy, uh, you know, to see that we're moving in the right direction. Uh, we also did, you know, a series of um, uh, clinically verified or validated self-assessments that people went through at the beginning, midpoint, and end of the program that showed very encouraging results. Again, we're talking about nearly, uh, you know, 40, 45% reduction in anxiety and depression, uh, 60% reduction in, in pain in several cases. Um, so very, very promising. Uh, and the next step would be, I would love to add in, you know, things like brain scans, um, biochemistry as well, different markers of inflammation. Um, but a lot of those studies actually already exist. And again, in sort of comparable things. So, uh, yeah, one example I just uh, wanted to share because this was one I, I came across recently. I thought it was was fascinating. There was a study done at the University of Ohio, mm -hmm. whereby um, they asked uh, they had different. Uh, I guess it was seniors, you know, putting out their their thesis, defending their thesis, and they had the staff go really hard on them, so put them under a lot of stress, right? Mm -hmm. Ask them a lot of grilling sort of questions, mm -hmm. and then they split them into two groups. And they uh, monitored their blood glucose levels uh, continuously, as well as some other things like um, C-reactive protein. One mm. group, they had um, ruminate on what had just happened, right? So they stayed in that uh, struggle state of just like going yeah. over and over again in their mind yeah. you know, of the difficult situation. The other group, they said, okay, don't even picture yourself on a beach in Hawaii, just take your attention away from that negative thing and imagine yourself doing the most mundane task you can think of, like walking up and down supermarket aisles. And they found that that second group had a marked reduction in C-reactive protein, so inflammatory markers, um, while the other group had a steady increase 
of inflammation as they continue to ruminate about these sorts of things. So, you know, wow. that's just one study, one example that shows that when we break out of certain patterns of thought and behavior, um, it actually changes our biochemistry and inflammatory markers and things like that. And those are the types of studies I'd like to do more um, mm. in a more detailed and specific way with people going through the reorigin program. Yeah, 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 for sure. And it just also reminds and adds to your point about, you know, how powerful, you know, we could actually, you know, take the driver's, you know, driver's wheel and and direct our own health, right? Not everything necessarily needs to be external or outside of the body, you know, all the, I'm a big believer that all the tools that we ever needed was really within ourselves, right? Um, but I think, uh, you know, the way we view medicine, the way we view health um, seems to be very, uh, you know, one one thing over here, another thing over there, you know, what I'm saying it's yeah. very disconnected, you know, it's not, you know, um, you know, even just with mental health, you know, not too long ago, you know, it's very taboo and people don't put a lot of, uh, you know, uh, a lot of stock into it insert the pandemic and there and everyone's like, you know, mental health matters, blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, you know what, physical, mental, emotional, everything, it's housed under one body. So how is it, you know, it just doesn't make any sense, you know, that the more we concentrate on the disconnection and, you know, why can't we just find more ways of figuring out, you know, there actually are interconnections and how do we discover more about that? And it seems like you've dedicated, you know, 10 years, a decade um, into this, um, you know, in terms of this. So definitely it's, uh, it's awesome. Uh, the work that you're doing. Um, my other question um, before we close out is um, neuroplasticity in general, you know, in addition to your work and, you know, having spent so much time with this, um, how do you feel where society is? Do you feel like it's underutilized? And, you know, in what other ways do you feel, you know, it could actually help us? Yeah, you know, I, I think we haven't even scratched the surface of this incredible potential that every human has to learn how to self-regulate. You know, we have, it goes far beyond anything that was even previously thought, um, like the study I just mentioned, that just through merely redirecting your awareness, right, through withdrawing your attention from something that's troubling you and placing it on not even something positive, but just something different, mm -hmm. um, how that changes the whole physiological cascade taking place in the body. Now, these are things that we can do in real time when we need them. We can also condition them. And that's really, you know, when I talk about neuroplasticity, it's not what you do one time that impacts you. You know, example would be changing your breath. If you slow your breath rate down, you could probably feel more calm within 30 seconds to a minute. Um, but I'm less and less interested in what we can do to change this moment and more interested in how can we change our brain so it changes every moment in the future. Mm. Um, and I think where we're kind of headed is learning more of the um, specific tools now with the, you know, things like functional MRIs coming online where we can see, okay, if I change my attention in this way, or I interrupt a pattern in this way, or I breathe in this way, or carry my posture, or change my facial expression, or do a bunch of different things, we can see exactly which regions of the brain that's impacting and how that changes our physiology downstream. There's, of course, still a bit of a black box there, and there's more to be learned. But as we start to peer deeper into this, um, it's almost like we're gaining more control over these fine-tuning mechanisms. Mm. Um, of being able to ultimately regulate our everything from our breath to our immune system, you know? So um, 
I think that these are things that people are going to be able to practice more and more themselves. Uh, I, I think, and I hope, you know, with tools like Reorigin that kind of give people these, this suite of exercises and protocols that they can use, that they'll be able to um, not only, uh, you know, again, continuously like self-regulate in ever more, more detailed ways, but also make those their new default state. That's yeah. really where the neuroplasticity and the conditioning comes into play is it's about doing this repeatedly so that we can sort of maintain that that new course without having to keep our hands so tightly on the wheel. And yeah, yeah. Not having to think so much about, okay, again, you know, adding, okay, now I got to add breath work and I can <laughs> add meditation. I got to do 60 minutes of this and then yoga. And then it's not necessarily about what you can add, but really what you can take away through um, a process of just tuning the brain that you already have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I totally, uh, I'm, I'm definitely a person of efficiency, you know, both mm -hmm. personally and, prof and professionally. And, uh, you know, if it's, if it's a scenario where it could be like three, you know, three birds with one stone type of scenario, sign me up. And I'm sure a lot of our, you know, listeners, um, you know, we live uh, very busy lives. Um, but I would argue, are they productive, right? Um, so, you know, in addition to conditions, would you recommend this as a general, like preventative general, like, you know, like you said, just like a general exercise um, for us? I would. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I think anyone who's, who's looking to um, have a little bit more control over regulating their, their internal state, their stress levels, their anxiety, their improving their sleep. Um, all of these things are, are, are things that can be improved by, um, by this sort of functional neuroplasticity. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Ben, this was a, a very enlightening, you know, conversation. I really, you know, really enjoyed it. Um, I love the work that you're doing. Please keep going with it. Keep up. Um, and please let us know how we can be of service and, uh, you know, um, how we can uh, help as well. Um, how do people reach out to you? How do people find, you know, your company? Yeah. So for anyone who's interested to learn more, uh, you can just go to reorigin.com. That's spelled out re-origin.com. And um, you can email me. You can actually book a call and speak with me and find out if this is a right fit for you. And um, that's really the best way to keep in touch. Awesome. Awesome. And you don't need a referral. So, <laughs> but definitely, you know, consult your healthcare uh, professional, um, you know, let them know that, uh, you know, you're, con you know, have a question about this, concern about it, but you're super, super curious about Ben's work. So um, Ben, thank you again for taking the time out. Um, I love uh, your work um, and uh, excited to see where it goes. So uh, thank you again for coming on to the show. Thank you for having me so much. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> Guys, thank you so much for watching another episode. If you like this, please like, comment, and subscribe. And if you feel like this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And until then, please say goodbye to Ben. <laughs> All right, take care. Hey guys, thank you so much for watching that episode. We hope that you enjoyed it. If you like this, please like, follow, and subscribe. And please follow us for the latest updates for this season, season five. And if you feel that this was a benefit for someone else, please let them know. And please follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, and YouTube. And thank you so much again. And we will see you on the next one. <laughs>